0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We're a proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D Mendy here, joined by a piece of cake that's been called a DILF and a DARF. It's Art
1: Tornavetti, aka <laughs> okay, Little Cheesecake, VLC. Elsie, how's it going? Uh, just, just coming off the high of that DARF draft we had over the weekend. Got to meet so many great people down there in uh, in D.C. and get, to get a live draft in. First live draft I've had in a while, actually. It's been a couple of years, so it felt great to be out there and to just be around all those people who are as crazy about fantasy baseball as I am. Um so right now I'm 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 on a high. You guys got me at a good but good time. I might make a good show today for once. So.
0: <laughs> That's always a good thing. You guys you guys had a good turnout from what you guys told me. You guys had Lauren Auerbach, you had Shelly Verstray. you had a, a couple other, you know, well-known people come out. Tonight. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I mean and and I I would want to say everyone's name just so I didn't leave anyone out. But uh, but I can't believe some of the people I got to meet, it was so fantastic. I even got to see uh, that that guy's face for the first time in a while, too. So, Doc, it was good to see him.
0: Uh, well, I guess that means I have to intro him as well. Uh, we also are joined by, as, as Art mentioned, a man averaging 16 points per game as he attempts to make his Volo City All-Star Game bid. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's up?
2: You know, it's, uh, it's empty stats for 0-2, but I mean, do you care about buckets or do you care about winning? I care about winning.
0: Uh, no, the first thing you said to me was what you were scoring before you said you wins win losses, so <laughs> I think it's the other Way, way
2: to now. call me, out on not lie.
0: It's true. Of course, we're also joined by the man who I think is the Arnold Schwarzenegger when it comes to his fantasy baseball strength. It is Marty Tallman, a.k.a. Marty Party. What's going on?
3: That one I need to know. Where did you get that? Where would that come from?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was up late and I just
3: was like, you know what, we're just gonna ride with this. Um, well, no, Arnold's cool. You know, I, I live just outside of Venice, and you know, uh, hanging out around there, seeing it. those people, you know, they they still work out there. Even the place is pretty gross.
0: Have you actually worked out at Venice Beach before?
3: No. No, oh, you're missing I'm, out. Now I'm disappointed. Nah, I'm good. That's gross. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You can well, play basketball though at the courts. Like in White Man Can Jump, those ones, they're there. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Did There's you nice- work? Did you do that? I did. Okay,
0: so it's not a complete letdown.
3: That's. But did you, did no. you play with Adam Sandler there? No, I did not. <laughs> I, Adam Sandler would not be playing there. But he will be playing at a nice YMCA. That is true. All right, well, our guest, as you can see on
0: screen, is a very special individual to us. So we got to welcome in this man. You know the proper way here. We welcome in a man who, along with his incredible sports knowledge, he knows sports pain. And why does he know pain? Well, his recent pain of being a 49ers fan, an A's fan, and once having his team have a perfect game against them in a wiffle ball game, <laughs> you know this man, he's one of our favorite guys in the industry as he's an MLB and NFL podcast host and columnist at RotoWire, wire an avid NFBC and NFC player, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's got stories for days. We welcome in Scott Jenshead. How's it going, man? That's
4: a, that's a hell of an intro right there. I do appreciate it. I don't know if I can live up to that, but uh, that might be the best thing we do tonight. And uh, I tell you what, if, if Doc scoring 16 points a night in his rec league, he might be able to come in and play for Andrew Wiggins, who's definitely not doing that.
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't want to change sports too quickly here, but we have to go back to something I said in the intro. And that's, you said you got perfect game against in wiffle ball. You mentioned this to me last night. You know, I had to go back to that and ask you about it. What happened in that game?
4: So we signed up for this. We signed up for this wiffle ball tournament. It's funny. Like they used to do like these, and we didn't an air it out football tournament. My buddies and I we actually won that. We beat a beat a, a team of all guys that were going D1. Chris Ricks, who went to Florida State, um, beat him in a tournament. So we're like, we're really good. So we went to this wiffle ball tournament in San Diego. I played high school baseball. So the, my three teammates all played college baseball. So we thought this is going to be like, we're going to roll into here. Play, like We kind of warm up uh, the day before. We're like, oh, i get the wiffle balls. We can make it go wherever you want. First inning was fine. I was pitching fine. We get to the bottom. We hit. This guy comes out. The foot. The mound was like close, closer than it should have been. Throwing like this weird screwball kind of pitch. I can't even like describe it. The most unbelievably unmatched four people I've ever seen in my life. We did not remotely come close to getting a hit, getting anywhere near making contact. It was like my my girlfriend at the time was like filming it. And I was like, yeah, the second thing, I'm like, yeah, you might want to turn that off. We just – and the most embarrassing domination I've ever seen. We did not come remotely close to touching the ball for six innings of this game. This kid must have been throwing the a ball like 90 miles an hour from 42 feet away with movement. He was probably like 18. It was just it, we just got so dominated. The, the most uh, the most dominant perfect game that's ever been thrown in modern sports.
0: Did it have the backstop behind it? Like the yeah. little. Uh, oh, didn't, my
4: God. Didn't didn't matter because he either hit the backstop or you swung at a pitch that was 14 feet away from the backstop. There was no way to do anything but literally guess the second he let go of the ball. It was Im- literally impossible. It was it was one of the more impressive uh, accomplishments I've seen. Did anybody make contact, even a foul ball, off no, of it? Not not even remotely close to a foul ball. Wow! And, we, and like the next two games, we were fine. Like we hit some home runs, foul ball. Like it's hard to do it in the wiffle ball, but this guy was so dominant. We didn't even come close to contact. It was it was really embarrassing, and like people were filming it, watching it was it was really bad.
0: So, are we on board with potentially doing a redemption wiffle ball game? Uh, I mean. Next year?
4: I would certainly tear my rotator cuff and still be in. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. I will come out there throwing hard and it'll, it'll hurt, but uh, let's do it anyway.
0: Can you get movement on your pitches? Like really good wiffle ball movement.
4: Oh yeah. In, In all four, in all four directions.
0: Oh I am have to fake your brain a little bit. Yeah. We we did backyard wiffle ball for a little while.
4: As but. long as you're using the te- the real wiffle ball that's the, the holes on half yeah. the side of it. Not not yeah. the not the like practice gobbles. Oh yeah, we can I get the riser sinker. Or, or, or
2: not, not or it. not the not the uh, what they call it, the, the screwball or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, that
4: the blitz ball thing. Blitz yeah, ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, those yeah, no. people get hurt on those things.
4: But yeah, no, wiffle ball, I can make it move all four ways if we need to.
0: Oh, this yeah. is definitely going to be a, another conversation for another day cuz
4: I talk like, I talk like I'm 20 years younger than I am, but no. yeah, it's
0: <laughs> But we're really glad we have you on today, Scott, cuz we've got a a pressing matter at hand. We're talking tonight about our starting pitcher preview part 2, and these are starting pitchers going in the 31 to 60 range on NFBC, and we're going to be looking at NFBC ADP from two weeks from before today, which is March 7th. So we have almost 100 drafts during that time, which is crazy to be like in two weeks we have 100 drafts, but that's the point we're at right now in draft season. So it's a lot of data. We can really identify guys that we really like in each range. It's going to be a fun show. We also have, of course, our question of the week. If you were to go to a restaurant, which MLB player do you think tips the most? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So without further ado, guys, let's jump right in let's talk about the starting pitchers in this range and I'm going to put them up on screen so you guys can see what we have going here. Let me put, we're going to have our pretty faces on the bottom of the screen and the pitchers up here. And we got of course go to you, Scott first talking about a starting pitcher you like to draft in the 31 to 40 range. And right off the bat, it's somebody that we're starting with here, Nathan Evaldi or maybe Luis Garcia. You said both of them, you kind of were in on who's, who's the one you, Find yourself drafting a ton of.
4: Well, I'm a little worried because my uh, my range you gave me didn't have Trevor Rodgers because that would definitely be my answer if I had that range. But uh, I love Trevor Rogers. But yeah, it, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Nate Evaldi, who's someone that uh, has kind of hurt me in the past. I, I kind of liked him when he was at the Marlins and just didn't uh, quite get there. I think the list you're doing is uh, has relievers in it too. That's why. Yes, um, okay. So yeah, I'm going I'm going Evaldi, Trevor Roger a little higher. But um I just lo- I love what we saw from Evaldi last year. The K rate's solid at 25%. You know, not super elite, but good. But I j- I love the walk rate. I love guys that don't walk anybody. He had a 4.6% walk rate last year. I love that for whip. I think whip's the category that people really have trouble figuring out. Um, you know, guys look good, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I-, I just like that for the I like that for the whip. Swing strike rate's really strong at 12.5%. I think that's gonna um maybe see a little more a uh, bump in the K rate. He dropped his hard contact, which was always kind of his issue. Uh, dropped it in, uh, dropped that, dropped the barrel rate. Um, you know, first time in five years of the home run uh, per nine under one. So finally kind of fixed that home run issue. Um, you like the XDRA, it was, was 337. So maybe that shows us that we're going to see a little more 80th percentile there. You flip on his StatCast page, a ton of red on that page. Um, it's it, all of it looks really good. Um, tough division. I understand that, but a good team for wins, you know, wins are tough to find these days with, especially this year, we're gonna get a lot of guys in April who are gonna go three or four innings. It's gonna be a tough April for wins. Um, so I like that. Great curveball,, uh, you know, forty percent whiff rate, really good slug against that. His slider is really good. Um, the splitter is really good. He started using that more too, which I like to see. He was a, he was like a 2% pitch from in 2020, 13% usage in 2021. Good whiff rate on that too. The X numbers on his, on his slider are really good. They're just, I like his pitch mix. I like how many pitches he throws. I like he throws 97. I think there's a lot of good things going with Evaldi right now. And I'm, I'm on board for this year.
0: Yeah, I know he's a staple on Ryan Bloomfield's bloomboards. He's, he's uh, one of the guys always on there, which is a good thing had hundred over 180 innings pitched last year, which that type of volume you would think you'd see a lot more of, but uh, you don't see it as much in today's day and age. So 180 innings, you know, all the projection systems have him. Most of them have him going 168 to 180 innings, so right in that same range. Over a K per nine, like you had mentioned, all his expected stats are actually better than his ERA, his XERA, FIP, XFIP. So you would think, and then you brought up the home run fly ball rate as well, like, last year, which is the lowest he's had since he was with New York in 2015. So a lot of good stuff to see in his profile. And he's going to be on a team that has a great offense behind him. So you got to think there's a lot of chances that wins and uh, he's going to be again with the same team he was last year. So familiarity in that sense. So there's not a lot of things I could see that would scare me off of him. So I think that's a really good call. And he's somebody, if you've been kind of uh, neglecting the starting pitching position, you get in a bunch of hitters you could get him you know as like an sp2 sp3 and you know maybe you're, you're riding high at that point so I, I like the call uh let's go to you mr marty tallman and let's go to someone you like in this range and that's tyler molly you want morely of tyler molly here
3: i most certainly do so um outside of the fact that he plays for the reds which hey he may get traded at any time we never know so keep your head on the swivel over there and sorry for the the fans of cincinnati you guys are going to be depleted um art knows what that feels like for the cubs it's kind of a similar <laughs> thing where they just let everybody go but anyway so yeah so um last year he, look, he was 26 years old he threw 180 innings he had a 3.75 era 3.76 x era his 3.74 fit so all of that you know pretty much checks out for where he's at in that section but what i love the most is the strikeout percentage 27.7 you know was in the 79th percentile um, he needs to cut down on his walks a little bit and go back to a slider. In twenty twenty, he had a really sick slider. Um, expected a batting average against it was one eighty. Last year, it was two sixty two. So if he he can kind of level that out and sit somewhere in the middle there, um, I think that's going to really help him. Um, his, he has stuff, you know. He's he has plus stuff. He has good command. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be good.
0: And. I know you didn't mention this, but imagine if he's not with the Cincinnati Reds. If the people have talked about his different splits between home and away, if you have not seen his splits, he was five and four with a five six three ERA last year in his home games, 15 home games, 18 away games, eight and two with a 2.3 ERA. Yep, elite. So, I mean, if he goes somewhere else, that's out of Cincinnati, uh, the Great American Small Park, maybe not two three ERA, but maybe closer to like a three ERA. With a lot of strikeouts, I mean, that's pretty juicy right there. I yep. Definitely somebody I like as well. Now, Doc, I should not be shocked who you have here. This is one of your favorite players. And coincidentally, you and Scott agree on a lot of things. You both like the San Francisco 49ers. He likes the Oakland A's. And you like the former Oakland A's pitcher, Chris Bassett, a lot.
2: I mean, I've just beaten this drum for years. Um you know, 20, everybody would look at expected stats and just not the eye test. I mean, 2020, he was a five and two with 2.29 ERA, 1.16, which didn't seem to get the respect that he did. Follows it up in 2021, 12 and four, 315 ERA. Even comes back after taking that liner to the face and having a facial fracture. Last year, his K rate was the highest of his career, and it keeps going up year to year. His walk rate was the lowest of his career. And I like that he throws six pitches, And all but his cutter, hitters hit 260 or less against. He just threw a career-high 157.1 innings, and he only has 555 for his career. So he hasn't been throwing as much as people might think he has, and he's on a team that will probably get him wins now. So I love Chris Bassett, and it's just a shame that everybody loves him as much as I do now. Somebody took him in the fourth round of our DARF draft.
0: Uh, So, Scott, I know he's on another team now. And I I feel very bad about the Oakland A's just giving up every single player on the team. But what were your what are your thoughts that seeing as much Chris Bassett as you do being a fan of the team? Do you like him as where he's kind of going right now with, you know, around pick one hundred and thirty one? Or do you think that's a little too early for him?
4: Uh, I really like it. Actually, I think he's going to be. He's just. I think he's just solid. I don't think you're like. It, I wouldn't take him in the fourth round because I don't think there's like that ceiling on him. But I think the floor is better than probably anybody in this range. I think he's going to be really solid. I like him going to the uh, going to the Mets. I mean, you know, you get more. He's going to have more runs there. The A's lineup is obviously horrible right now. I think it's going to be good for wins. I think he's going to be. Uh, he's just a really good guy too. I think like everybody in the club in the clubhouse loves him. Everybody in the locker room likes him. I just think uh, I think he'll be very very solid. I don't know if he's going to win a league for you. but He definitely won't lose it there's a lot of value in guys like that.
0: Yeah. I think he's somebody like you said, maybe he's not sexy, but yeah. he's somebody that you can put in and you don't have to worry about. He's going to give you what you need and what you expect out of him. But cheesecake, we got to stay with his former teammate. We're talking another Oakland, a current Oakland mm-hmm. A. at this, this moment, Sean Manaya, mm-hmm. the not very hard throwing Sean Manaya. I think he's, he's a very hard player to judge in fantasy, but you're
1: somebody that's buying Sean Manaya this year. Absolutely. Well, when you say he's not very hard throwing, you have to, you have to also caveat that with the fact that he gained a couple of ticks on his, on his fastball last season, coming back from a poor 2020. He also pitched the volume that you had hoped you were, you would want to get from a pitcher in this range. And that's one of the reasons why I really like Mania is that I really, I really uh, expect him to produce good volume and while he's doing that, give you over a K per inning. His his whiff his K percentage went up last year to a, a rate that is uh, that is definitely above league average, and and and, and it, it's put him in a new uh, in a new level for my my view. Twenty five percent K rate keeps a low walk rate. That's why I like him. Now, one thing that happened with Mania last season was he had a really poor August, and it's uh, it kind of brought down his whole season overall season. It was it was really poor, but he came back after that September and October, righted the ship a little bit. I really liked that. That's kind of what got me to keep my uh, keep my view on him because I've been on Mania ever since he was at Indiana State. Uh, you know, Sycamores. He was a big prospect coming out who was who dropped because of some injuries. Um, I've I've always been hopeful for him, so I'm trying not to just keep that in the back of my head. Uh, and try to keep the fact that the, that he, he looks like he, he has a profile to keep a low whip. He's getting good strikeouts and his K to walk is good. Now he might get traded. I know Cardinals fans are all over Twitter saying trade Sean Menae to the Cardinals. I'd love that if he gets traded to the Yankees. I might, I might soften a little bit on him Cause I'm not sure if that that's the best destination for him, but, um, but there's possibility that he could be traded to another very good team and a good pitching uh, pitching um, atmosphere as well.
0: Now, again, Scott, i got to go back to you as the Oplays guy. What are your thoughts on Mania, and do you think there's a favorite spot for him as far as where you would like him to go if he gets traded?
4: So the weird thing with Mania is I think there I don't think there's another pitcher in baseball where two miles an hour are more of a big difference maker than him. I think he's a completely different pitcher out there when he's at 92 versus 90. And we've seen it. And I've, I've you know I've been to games up close and he, he's throwing 92, 93. He looks really good. The ball gets on guys quick, all the other stuff works really well. And then there's the games where he gets tired or drops down to ninety, and he's like really hittable. You see the you see the barrel rate become a problem. You see the hard hit become a problem. I love him at ninety two, ninety three. I don't like him at the price at ninety ninety one. It's just hard for me to know you know where that's going to be. And last year we saw it. Last year was ninety two point two average fastball. Uh, twenty twenty was ninety point four. You could see it. You could see how different he is. So it's just hard for me to take the leap at the price, not knowing where that's going to be. If I knew he's going to throw 92, 93, I'd, I'd be on him all day at the price. I'm just a little bit worried that he's had those years where the velocity is not there. And he's a different pitcher.
0: Yeah. I, like you said, it's a very big key with him. The velocity yeah. if it's there. He has a kind of a deceptive look in delivery, uh, delivery, which I think like you said, kind of gets on people easily. Yeah. Uh, I think is Erod's in this range, if I'm not mistaken to correct. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, I have to see if anybody, Joey, we'll have to see. I think he's actually going to be mentioned here. because We're going to talk about Erod a little bit. He's going to be somebody versus we how many shares everybody has of him. Uh, but let's kind of hop into that Erod range here. And let's go back to you, Scott, who in this range, which is, or I'm sorry. No, let's say in the same range. Let's just flip the coin here. Let's go the players that we maybe are not liking to draft as much in this range. Getting ahead of myself here. And who's that player for you?
4: probably going to upset everybody with this one because it's someone that everybody in the world loves and I love watching him pitch but uh, my fate in here is actually Shane McClanahan in Tampa Bay.
0: So a Shane
4: I apologize to everybody. I know everybody loves him. Uh, He debuted against the A's last year. I remember like who the hell is this guy like this guy's throwing 98 with tail on it like there's a lot of good stuff here. I mean, I'll start with the good stuff. You know, strong K rate, uh, the walk rate with for for a for a rookie was pretty good at seven percent. Really nice swing and strike rate, almost 15% there. You gotta like you like the combo of the strikeouts with the with the with the ground balls. Uh, my concern, and you have to find concerns in here. I mean, it's a pretty high pricer. You're you're making a you're just a top ten round pick in a fifteen team or any kind of uh, deep deep league. And hard contact's a big concern with me. He's at forty five percent last year, ten point seven percent barrel. I think he gives up a lot of loud contact. You look at some of his uh, metrics. The xera is four point six. That worries me. There, I worry about how the Rays use him too. I mean, we always have a situation where you know are they going to piggyback him with someone? Will they let him go six? Like, how are we looking at for wins in that situation? And then you flip on his Statcast page, and it starts to get uh, it starts to get concerned. You look at uh, second percentile exit velo, six percentile hard hit, thirty-first percentile xera, twenty-first percentile xba, twentieth percentile xslug, ten percent barrel. Like, there's a lot of really dark blue numbers on a Statcast page. The K numbers are really good, but the rest is kind of rough. I mean, the he, he has great whiff rates on slider curve and change. There's a lot of great stuff here but we're talking about, you know, who we like at the price. I mean, I like him as a pitcher. I think he's going to be really good really soon. I just think that, you know, it's the 80 is pick one Oh four. That's the seven, eight turn. There's enough on his, uh, kind of the metrics, um, kind of the, the worries with the rays that I think I just like other pitchers in the range more than him.
0: Yeah. It's a very hard thing to talk with Shane McClanahan. Obviously Shane Baz going down today, missing yeah. some time, more security for him in the rotation, uh, But I mean, like you said, it's a very tantalizing profile over 10 K per nine last year, uh, you know, barely a home run per nine, but does got hit extremely hard. Uh, Do you have many Shane McClanahan shares this year?
4: I'm a late drafter, so I have not drafted very much, Um, but uh, I think you're going to get like, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at like a three, nine, five ERA when the year's over. And I just, I don't think that, I don't think that works in the, in the price range.
0: That's fair enough haven't seen too much of him and he's, he's getting the helium that a lot of these other young pitchers are getting. So I'm assuming you have him firmly behind Manoa and Trevor Rogers.
4: Uh, firmly behind.
0: Okay. Yeah. those are the three kind of young, attractive, everybody wants to get a piece of these, these three guys.
4: I, I I like Manoa. I love Trevor Rogers.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: I think, I think we talked about Trevor Rogers last week and we were all kind of on the same page as well. He's, I haven't seen too many people off of him, so I'm with you on that. Elsie, uh, let's go back to you, and let's go and talk about a player that you're not too fond of in this range, and for you, it's Shane Baz. we just kind of mentioned
1: with yeah. the injury. Is Is that the big reason? Actually, I found about I found out about the injury as I was researching. I was I was off of Baz before this. I thought that his usage was going to be too unpredictable, especially with the way Tampa Bay uses pitchers. The fact that he's such a high prospect for him, I wasn't sure how much he was going to how much he was going to start, how they were going to use him. This injury actually just confirmed that, uh, that they're not going to use him that much, at least to start the season. He's out for, he's not going to be thrown for at least two weeks. They're taking loose bodies out of his, uh, out of his elbow and they're probably going to baby him when he comes back. So the injury kind of just reinforces it. I'm not even sure where you would try to take him right now. I'm thinking he drops a considerable amount considering the fact that they're going to want to treat him with a bit of a kid gloves because they, they have so much invested in him and he's one of their best prospects.
0: Yeah, uh, and the injury only, again, complicates the matters there, so that there's that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Tallman, Mr. you are out on an old division rival who I recently has gotten a lot of helium yeah. going to the San Francisco Giants. I'm a, is the injury risk the biggest thing for you? Is the lack of maybe him repeating? Why are you out on Carlos Rodon?
3: Yeah, I think it's a good mix of all of that. So we know about, about his velocity being down. He's often injured. Um, he's only pitched over 160 innings one time, and that was in 2016. And so it's just, you know, when you're in this range, and these are some guys I'd rather have, Chris Bassett, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Sonny Gray. I'd rather have all three of those over Carlos Rodon. And, and I think San Francisco is going to actually do a great job with them. That's what they do. They're very smart with this kind of thing. They're going to pace him out. They're going to have him sit when he needs to. And, you know, and that's going to hurt us fantasy-wise. I don't think to expect he's going to be out there every four, fifth, you know, start. I don't know what their plan is. Probably every five starts, I think he'll be, you know, rested often, and they're going to preserve him because they—that's what they do with vets, and that's what they've been successful with. And so, if they actually do plan on um, making the playoffs, they're going to pace him out throughout the entire season, and they're not going to want to be behind that. And that's if everything goes right. You know, he's still pretty good, but you're still when there's like workhorses out here, like still with high K percentages. I'd rather get them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, it doesn't, like you said, It the fact that they have so many pitchers there, there's no reason for them to push him. They have, people were talking about Tyler Beattie as a potential sleeper this year. And now he's like the eighth starting pitcher on that roster. Yeah. So no need to push these guys, you know, maybe 130 innings is kind of what you could hopefully expect for the best at this point. They have aspirations for a World Series. They're not going to push their guys. Uh, Doc, let's finish this out really quick for us here. Why don't you tell us why, you are also just piggyback on Rodon if there's anything you want to add.
2: Yeah, I mean, 2021 was a career high in terms of K percentage, career low, and walk percentage. He had a .96 whip, and his previous low for a, for a season was 1.26. It's 1.30 for his career, so that's a huge outlier. And just look at the first half. The ER at the through 89.2 innings the first half, 43 the second half. It's normally what we see with him, fatigue. And he had an increase in ERA as soon as they kind of banned the sticky stuff mid-June to a high three ZRA. So I just don't think you can trust him full season.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I think that's, we kind of all are feeling the same about Rodon. Scott, really quick before we move on to the next range here, at his price right now, which for Carlos Rodon, he's going around pick 107 and a men of 73, max of 149 over the last two weeks. Do you think you'll have some Carlos Rodon this year?
4: Um, I don't. And I think that I think that Min is going to be more popular than the than the ADP at the moment. I think people are going to push him up. I think people are, you know, see the uh, the Kevin Gossman, Desclafani stuff last year with the Giants. I think everybody believes in them now. They believe, you know, Farhan wouldn't assign him unless he was healthy. Um, I just think he's going there's gonna be someone in every draft that's going to be more willing to take the jump on him than I am.
0: That's fair enough. Yeah, I'm with you on that.
4: And let, right. I'm an A's fan. It's been hard enough. Let's not talk about Giants in <laughs> and a World Series right. together. Let, let's <laughs> let's not let's not stick that uh, let's not stick that in. That's yeah, dude, he's never going
2: to want to come back on.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? The best transition is to talk about the Minnesota Twins because that's my favorite team, and they are new number one pitcher in that rotation, Sonny Gray, who Scott is loving right now. This is his favorite pair to draft in the fifty in the forty-one to fifty range. Scott, why should we all be drafting Sonny Gray?
4: Uh, mostly because I'm biased and he was on the A's. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I, love, I love the move for Gray. I mean, I just – I think moving to a much better park, getting out of Cincinnati is a, a good thing for him. Uh, you know, the home runs hurt him last year. Is 1.26 home runs per nine. Has not been over one since uh, the, the dreaded New York Yankees years where obviously that just didn't work at all. But I just think – I mean, K-rate's K really good, 27%. The walk rate's a little high. I'd like to see him jump that down a touch. He was at 8.7% last year. But um, I love the ground balls. Another guy that, you know, strikeouts and ground balls, he, he was 40 37% last year, but he's usually over 50%. Like I love, I love when you get those guys, combo guys, it's just, it's, you gotta get three hits to score against guys like that. I love, I love a, a ground ball with the strikeout. You just kind of limit the big innings. You look at some of the metrics, his XERA was 3.25. Love to see that. Hard contact just suppresses it. Like one of the best guys. You know, yeah, hard mm-hmm. contact is always a little bit noisy, but when I get someone who's on the extremes kind of year after year after year, I believe that there's something there. I know some people don't, but hard contact under 32% each of the last three years, barrel rate under 5% the last two years, never over 7% in the season. Like those are great numbers for a guy. And it's consistent. It's not like he just does it once and, you know, then it pops back up every single year. He clearly does something to, 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 to you know, kind of uh, induce a lot of soft contact. You look at StatCats page, super red all over the place, uh, You know, especially the hard conduct. All the X numbers are really good. I like his pitch mix. He throws four pitches over 15% of the time. I just love that, especially kind of going into a, a new division. I think that's going to work really well. Whiff rate's over 30% of the curve. Whiff rate's over 40% of the slider. I love how he mixes match everything. I like how he battles. I think he's going to be really good in Minnesota. And this is a range where I don't actually love a lot of guys. He sent us the list but for the 10 pitchers in here, and I was kind of like, eh, eh. And, I, and that's actually a really good practice to go through. I realized that in the – in the, in the next 10 down, there's like four or five guys I like, where here, um, maybe not a as much. So maybe as I realize, i go through a draft and maybe attack some hitters in this range or Gray and then kind of pop back to later. So I think it's a really good practice to kind of figure out where you got those pockets of value. But uh, Gray's definitely my biggest target in this range.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that you kind of touched on too is if you realize there are certain ranges where you don't want pitching, yeah. then if you map out your draft, then you're like, okay, this is a range where I'm going to draft a hitter. This is a range I'm going to draft pitchers. And you can construct how you draft ahead of time and not be kind of stuck... When it is your pick, you know when you're you're looking for each guy. But back to Sonny Gray, like you mentioned, StatCast page, all red. If you're a bull, please do not take a look at it. And if you go look at his, his profile, like you mentioned, the hard hit percentage being so low. I, I got to ask you, though, Scott, how do you feel about hard hit percentages compared to max EVs? Because uh, talking about max exit velocities for hitters is something that most is people have been talking about as a, a good metric for... Uh, wanting to determine if, if this guy, you know, potentially could turn a corner if, if they had their stats not what you expect them to be. Um, uh, Max Evie's kind of taken over in that sense. As far as for pitchers with somebody like Sonny Gray, who has a great hard hit percentage, but not the best Max EV in terms of, uh, you know, a few years ago in 2019, he was bottom seven percent of the league. And then this past season, actually a little bit higher than that bottom 10 percent of the league. There, uh, what are your thoughts on those two comparisons? Do you, do they kind of not relate to you, or is it what do you, kind of feel for that for pitchers.
4: First of all, I won't claim to be as smart as some of the super stat guys. You get like an Alex Chamberlain's because like, I, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. not in that no world and I, and I don't even <laughs> pretend to be. But for me, um, with hard contact stuff, I really look at the extremes. Like there's a lot of noise I feel like between the, the 30th, and maybe like the 35th and the 65th percentile. I look for guys in the extreme, someone like Gray who suppresses it year after year after year. We talked about talking about like Nelson Cruz, like those numbers are the same. There's like there's 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 some meaning to me in those when you get guys who are really consistent and consistent in that top like 20th percent percentile of of all those stats so for me it's extremes i really i really kind of avoid the stuff in the middle those move around a lot but when you got guys that show consistency and the extremes i do pay attention to that i'm not a huge max ev person i always just i always like you know if greg gibbs like hung one bad slider of the wrong guy like suddenly his max EV is ruined i just I I get that it's, it shows what you can do, but like if we had that stat when Willie Mo Pena was playing, like he would have been, it would have been the top guy in that, but (laughs) I I get it. I get why it's a little more sticky than, you know, average exit velocity. And I've read some of those studies and I, you know, I'm not smart enough to fully get them, but I do understand them a little bit. Um, But I'm more of a, of someone who looks for um, contact numbers at the extremes and over consistent time periods.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I think it's one of those things, again, People that are interested in kind of looking at this data, you can kind of make conclusions yourself on yeah. what you feel like is important for each player, and and use it in your own draft. So, you know, Scott's been very successful. He knows what's working for him and what he wants to look at. And again, that's kind of how you guys should do it too. If you're watching and want to kind of figure this stuff out for yourself as well. Now, let's go to you, Mr. Tallman, and let's talk about Erod, who was mentioned earlier in the comments. Our guy Joey chimed in and, and talked about his eighty percent shares. I Erod. Love it.
3: Uh, he's a smart guy.
0: I have yeah. zero Erod, and he uh, also mentioned he's Kopeck and Gilbert. He feels like always reaches for one of them. Now, I know LC is going to touch on Logan Gilbert. So, just hang on one second with that. We're going to talk about Erod first. Go yeah. ahead. Talk about your Homerism, your Tigers, and
3: Erod. <laughs> this I mean, this is the um, this would be, I guess, a Homer pick here um, for this. But, you know, so 2021, he had the career high, uh, you know, ERA. And so that, that, I think on the surface, that kind of shies people away. You just think just one little bit deeper. He had a 3.32 FIP, 3.43 X FIP. Um, those are all career highs for him. His K, uh, strikeout minus walk percentage is 21.6, which is nothing to snuff at. You know, it's pretty good. He limits hard contact. Um, and this, cr- he had a career high 27.4 strikeout percentage. So you add that, you know, the numbers look good. The RA looks solid. We don't question how many innings he's going to pitch. I think we should expect somewhere around 180. Projections to have him about 170, and then we talk about the move to the ballpark. So he's going to CoAmerica Park. It's, I mean, it's a lot more friendly confines there. Not only at home, but playing within your own division. Obviously, the White Sox are good, but outside of that, you know, the Royals, you know, they're not what the Rays were. You know, I mean, they were the second best offense in baseball. We know what the Yankees can do. So, uh, friendlier confines. Um, I think the Tigers team is going to be somewhere around 500, you know, maybe a little North of that, but I wouldn't expect too much there. Um, so I don't know about wins, but, um, you know, I'm liking everything that I'm seeing and yes, plus command at the end of the day. So I like to see that too.
4: That was an excellent, excellent sell job. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll have, you know, that I have not purchased any A's gear since they went in this tanking job, but I have bought a tiger, a tiger shirt. Cause my daughter's T-ball team is the Tigers. So um, Ooh, uh, we're yes. good. We're good. I, I might, I might have to do a shift, uh, shift loyalty a little bit here.
3: There we go. I love it. Live on Triple Play. Scott is jumping <laughs> ship from the A's to the Tigers. Yeah, I actually do sales in my profession, so look at that. I even did. I sold. That I sold was uh, thing, so.
4: that was well done. I think I've uh, I've kind of nudged him up into someone that I'm uh, I'm going to look at a little closer in this range because I, I there are I, there are kind of a paucity of guys in this range that I like, so I like that.
0: Yep. Yeah, and no, Joey he said friendly confines. I'm a Cubs fan. Match made in heaven for Erod. I have zero Erod shares. I've maybe I haven't drafted him at all. I don't think I will. So either that's going to I'm going to regret that or like Marty said, I'm going to, you know, maybe uh, I'll regret it or I'll, you know, whatever. But uh, Mm -hmm. good job with the E-Rod. You're definitely making me think twice about that. Uh, Elsie, I want to go back to you because just what Joey brought before about loving Kopech and Logan Gilbert. And Mm -hmm. I know you want to talk about Logan Gilbert, but both these guys are very tantalizing in this range and people I find myself trying to draft a lot of, too. Um, They have the obviously the the big league inning pitch concerns, they're kind of unknowns in this sense.
1: But why are you big on Logan Gilbert? Um, well, what the, what Scott said about this range being a range that I'm not generally targeting guys, um, Gilbert kind of fits the type of profile pitcher that I try to go for, guys who don't walk a lot, guys who keep a low whip, because I like to make sure that my whip stays at a pretty low pretty low rate as I go through the draft. I don't want to take a guy, especially at this range in the draft who I feel might have whip concerns because I feel like whip is something that can get out, get out of hand as, as you go through the draft and you have to really be watch it. Gilbert has a, has a, has an elite walk rate. He also has a really good K rate. And I think that, uh, he had a little bit of troubles his first time through the league last year. First, first uh, opportunity. I think the, uh, the, the, his second time through, he's going to experience a little bit more success, even though I think he did very well for his first chance through. And, uh, and also he's thrown a little bit harder. I mean, maybe it's just with the adrenaline of being back in spring, but he was clocked at 98 on field two the other day in, uh, in Mariners camp. Whereas, uh, he was sitting around 95 last season, who knows, maybe he comes out with a little bit more juice on that fastball and help him with his K rate, which was already above average. Like I said, this isn't a range where I'm grabbing a lot of these pitchers, but according to the type of profile I'm looking for, Gilbert with that excellent walk rate and the K-to walk rate being being pretty elite, Gilbert's a guy who I would go after in this range.
4: Do we do we know who's holding the gun on field two? I, do,
1: I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I just saw a tweet. I really just saw a tweet, and I, lo- uh,
4: I always love the I always love the field two not throwing ninety-eight tweets. Those always crack me. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I fell victim to it, I guess this time. No, he was, Gilbert was really good in the last six starts, 270 or last six starts. So he was someone that, you know, came up, everybody was fired up and then was really bad. But that, that last stretch, I think, uh, says a lot about how he adjusted back to the league.
0: Yeah, and I mean, was he 6'6"? Six, six? I mean, he gets to the mound, like, with that release point point, with how tall he is, like, it gets on you quickly, that 97, 98 too, which is why I think he's so tantalizing. You could see him making that next step to being elite. And I know many others in the industry are very high on him this year and are trying to get him as like an SP4, high-end SP4. And uh, I'm definitely one of those people that have been trying to do that. Sounds like Joey as well. Uh, He's definitely somebody I think people are liking to take the gamble on. But, Doc, really quick, why don't you finish out this part for us? Give us your Cliff Notes version of Mr. Framber Valdez, the ground ball god, as we like to call him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know he's a popular pick obviously. As you mentioned, ground ball god. I mean, look, he's getting more innings each year from 37 to 70.2 that exact number back to back to 134.2. Scott, I'm sorry about this jab, but he's going to face the A's a decent amount.
4: That is um, a that is a well uh well-worthy jab. It's <laughs> when when <laughs> Elvis Anderson hitting second for any team, you should
2: take all the jabs you want. <laughs> but I, I really look for me if he can get his fastball velocity up a little bit more. Last year it was clocking around 92, and uh, people actually hit 381 off of that. He threw it 111 times, and back in 2020 it was at 93.2 miles per hour, and nobody got a hit off of him, and he threw it 21 times. Now, not saying he's going to have a zero batting average against it, but it's not going to be 381. So if he he can up if he can increase that velocity a little bit. I think he's a great, great value.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen people kind of mixed about him. Uh, some people are, are, you know, like Fran Valdez, obviously great ground balls, but there are some things, some chinks in his armor last year. I think people are a little bit more hesitant to draft than as they were last year. Uh, Doc, do you have a lot of Fran Valdez this year?
2: I have a couple shares of him. I, I've noticed I have a lot of Astros pitchers between him, Urquidy, Javier, I have Verlander in a league or two.
0: No, you would have no Christian. You said you have Christian Javier.
2: Yeah, I have a couple of shares of Javier.
0: He's he's somebody I would make sure you take a look at. Very high on Christian Javier. Um, but yeah,
4: and I, not, and I, I really like Arcidi, so I'm 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 on board there too.
0: A lot of Astro, <laughs> a lot of Astros here, but again with that offense and the division, not necessarily bad guys to target. Let's go to the other side and talk about players in this range we're not too fond of here. And got to go back to you, Scott. And you, we talked about Fran Brevaldez. We, we could talk about the fate. Again, I mentioned there may be some chinks in the armor there. You also said potentially Zach gallon. Who do you feel like you'd rather talk about?
4: Uh, my fate here is actually, I, when I look closer is, is actually Zach gallon. I'm a little, I, I'm I'm more than a little bit worried about how 2021 kind of worked out both on the surface. And you look a little deeper. Um, it's obviously rough from a fantasy angle with 4.3 ERA, 1.29 whip and 121 innings. But you look a little closer, man. His his swing striker dropped to nine point one percent. Like that's a brutal number for him. We're trying to get strikeouts from guys. Um, the K's were still twenty six percent, but I worry maybe that goes a little bit lower. I don't like that his walk rate jumped up to nine point four percent. He was in the eighteenth percentile. He uh, was uh, he was bad there. Eighteenth percentile in hard hit rates it was not not really excited. He gave up a lot of home runs. Um, the thing I'm worried about him is how much he changed his pitch mix. I'm worried that he did so for an injury reason. He threw fifty four percent forcing fastballs last year. Um, and it just it was a, they were effective they were pretty good it was 217 batting average against but i worry like if he was just throwing that many fastballs as the other he didn't throw their pitches because arm wasn't right that concerns me a little bit um you know his whiff rate was 28th percentile overall chase rate 20 percent wasn't really getting guys to chase probably a lot of that was the fact that he wasn't throwing as many breaking balls i don't know just it, in this range like his stat cast page is pretty blah there's not much to get excited about with gallon i think there's enough here that i'm actually worried that something's not right with him and i'm just i'm just not taking the chance at this price
0: yeah I, I think it's very interesting uh him in this range here I, I, does he did they say he's fully clear from his injuries or they say like i haven't seen too much about it if he's back to 100 percent or not that's what kind of scares me
4: yeah i haven't seen anything that said he's not but i just there was enough in the profile that i, I thought maybe he was uh kind of compensating for something last year
0: yeah. I mean, he was one of those guys I remember really early on this off season that everybody was like, I'm going to buy the dip. Like, you know, his injury was nothing to do with, uh, you know, it was more kind of just, a, uh, you know, a bone injury. It's not like it was something with his shoulder rotator cuff or, or something that, you know, or his elbow, or you were concerned about him pitching long-term. So, but it's definitely kind of fallen back a little bit recently. So I can understand the concerns there, doc, let me go back to you and let's talk about Clayton Kershaw. I know there's pretty, the pretty obvious part here. So if you want to just quickly tell us why you're fading Clayton Kershaw.
2: Yeah. So last year through 121 innings, which was the lowest in a full season since his rookie year in 2008, 14 years ago, PRP injection in October, obviously that's six ish months ago, but that's not something you like to hear for a pitcher. Um, You know, he's going to get hurt at some point during the year. So keep in mind, he will be a bench spot. I think the Dodgers are likely going to manage. Like, do we
0: all agree that this is Kershaw's last year? Uh, yeah, I think it is.
3: Actually, I don't think it's, it's. I'm not necessarily.
2: Okay, there, yeah. there's a good chance maybe that it's last year. Don't you think the Dodgers are going to want to keep him fresh for the playoffs, where they'll manage his innings, where he goes? Maybe he skips his turn in the rotation once every three times. Like, I just don't think you're going to get longevity and the innings you're looking for from Clayton. Like, he will probably give you five solid innings. But I could see less than 120 this inning, or 120 this year.
0: It's sounded of like the Giants, where they don't have to push their pitchers. And if you know they they brought in Tyler Anderson, they brought in Andrew Heaney, not necessarily sexy guys, but at the end of the day, like if you need guys to soak up some starts and some innings, especially with that offense, at the end of the day, they're like, you know what, like we're 10 games up on our division and you know or 20 games up which wouldn't surprise me at a certain point with that team and you know maybe they're like six games up on the wild or uh you know over the second place team And they're like we need some some spot starts from some guys to save guys down the road like i could see that happening and they're building that depth so i could see doc like you're saying holding back on his innings to be able to save him for the postseason so that's i mean that applies in there uh Marty, By the
4: way, if, if Tyler Anderson gets uh, lit up in a game, I, I recommend not tweeting about that because his dad got really pissed at me last year for
2: tweeting about it. Wait, why didn't his dad get pissed at me? <laughs> I tweeted negatively that was yeah, it the but- nine or was it the nine earn run game against the Angels? It was, yeah. And I, oh and I, my I, gosh, he didn't tweet at me.
4: <laughs> there was he like been pretty decent for a while, and he gave the nine and runs. I'm like, oh, well, there's the Tyler Anderson outing everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> his dad was not pleased. <laughs> did I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tag him. I just wrote his name like so yeah, he must have searched for it. Obviously, he doesn't follow me or anything like that. But yeah, he was uh, he was not pleased that uh, the Tyler Anderson that I t- tweeted that. Oh
0: what, did what, did, what did he
4: say? What did he? I don't remember. Something in fact, like why would you say something like that? It seems way, I, I don't remember what he said, but he definitely wrote back to me. I'd have to go look, but he was uh, he was not pleased by my tweet. It was pretty. That's funny, amazing. So yeah it was pretty it was pretty awesome i was like all maybe, right maybe you may need maybe the hobby rather than searching uh, your son's name on twitter Oh, maybe
0: maybe doc i'll give
2: and, him another chance yeah,
0: <laughs> Do, doc and i were in our uh, in our home league, we were in the championship against each other oh, and yeah, he had that, that outing yep. he had that outing for doc and that almost lost him. it's a
2: points league and he got <laughs> negative 27 <laughs> yeah i think it was like two
4: innings nine earned it was really bad. Oh, yeah. uh, zero yeah. k's zero k's yeah so yeah, so yeah, I'm, a lot, I'm not allowed to talk about Tyler Anderson, so I'm gonna take a that
0: step. I'm not. <laughs> That's an amazing story, uh, Marty. Really quick, Joey brought up Michael Kopeck. He's become one of the darlings,
3: one of the breakouts of the industry. You are one of the few guys I see that are out on Michael Kopech. It's too much. Why? Look, I mean, you got to look what's around. Look, Sonny Gray's right there, Logan Gilbert right there. Two people I'd rather have. There's just too many question marks. So, I mean, in 2018, his he had a 5.02 ERA. I know he's fixed a lot of stuff, but you know, we're still not really sure what his role is going to be. You know, if they're going to let him go five, six innings, you know, you know, all the time. Look, you look at his numbers last year; they're incredible. Okay, but I'm just not. It's a little too early for me. I'd like the the pitchers ahead with less question marks.
4: What, what if you guys had to throw a number out at what his innings pitch at the end of the year? What, where would you guys be at?
3: I'd 95. say 95.
0: I'd say 120. 120 was the number I was going to say as well. So, so
4: definitely man. below a lot of the projection systems. And I, I was I looking
0: he, up right now what his projections were. They're like,
4: like steamers 141, um, the, yeah. bats, the bats 131, ATCs 131. Um, if he throws 120, you just can't take him in this range, right?
3: That's what I'm thinking. I don't think and so. And they're going to say, I mean, he, this is another World Series bound team. Like that's what their goal is. So they're going to stretch him out as much, you know, use them when they can, when they have to.
4: And um, he, what, he he th- he threw five innings once last year,
3: ooh.
4: once. And granted, he was a he was a reliever, not starting. But like, is he suddenly gonna be throwing six innings a night? I just I don't right. know. So I mean, him, him
3: or Sonny awesome. Gray in this range, it's like, what are we yeah. talking about?
4: For me, it's easy, but I, I yeah. know people love the
3: see the strikeout rate and love and they love Kobeck for a while. So His I get numbers it, were incredible last year. There's no yeah. doubt about it. They're Rosser
0: made. Resource has him as the fifth starter right now. So I mean, they're projecting him to be a solid fifth in the rotation. I mean, does Ronaldo Lopez enter as a sixth? Do, you know, or Vince Velasquez and potentially get some starts. Um, I, I there's there's not many guys I'm gonna sit here and be like, I just know it's a matter of when and not if they get hurt. Kopech is one of those guys. I just see like Kopech goes on the 15 day IL, and I'm gonna see that two times this year. Like, I think when he's when he's pitching, he's gonna be really good, and he's gonna be worth this price. But the problem is, I just don't see enough innings or enough, uh, you know, again, that I think the kind of injury stuff bouncing back in, like you, like you guys mentioned, Sonny Gray being there, somebody who knows me a lot more reliable, uh, that, that kind of scares me a little bit.
2: David, it's it wouldn't be, an- oh, I was going to say, it wouldn't be a segment about Michael Kopech. If you didn't talk about how he dates only smokes.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. No, I always talk about that. He, his choice in women, very good. Uh, his fantasy outlook is a little bit more mixed than that. So, uh, Kopech, if, if it was a, a fantasy league about dating women, I would draft you 1.01 for sure. <laughs>
2: Derek, Derek Jeter is the ultimate keeper, even retired.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fear stuff standpoint, might stay in their Best pitcher, but I agree all your points being made. Yeah, it's and- it's. I think at that point, it's people. It's a very cop out answer. It's your roster construction. Like, do you have a lot of guys earlier on that are safer and you know are going to give you innings where you can take a gamble on somebody like that. Or do you have a staff that's not as stable, and you need to take the sunny Grays that you're like, hey, 150 innings, three five ERA guys, like I know are going to be healthy and help me. So I, I think that's a that's kind of also how you have to look at it as well. Elsie, um, really quick, give us your Cliff Notes version. Wrap this up here. Talk about why you're fading Pablo Lopez, who I think you know he's going to have his one or two games a year. He's going to be absolutely yeah. awful. Maybe his dad will. Uh, we'll find you on Twitter, but (laughs) why are you fading
1: Pablo? I just want to know where the injury discount is on Pablo. I mean, this, this shoulder, the right rotator cuff, it, it, it didn't look necessarily like something that was going to keep him out the rest of the season. Last July, when he went on the 10 day IL, uh, he had setbacks in his recovery, eventually moved to the 68 day IL. He, he didn't come back till September Uh, To me, I I, I don't know where the discount is on Pablo Lopez. He's going around the same place he went last year after missing almost half the season with a shoulder injury. So I think Lopez is an elite talent. I think he's going to pitch well. He pitched well the other day. I forget who they played, but he was looking really good just doesn't matter to me that he's looking really good in spring training because i'm not trusting that he's still going to be out there 162 games this year i mean 30 starts this year i think you can't really expect more than 120 130 innings from him he's never gone more than 125 innings in a season yeah including minor leagues no i I get it i mean he's a somebody
0: i think some people will say like he's you know when he's in there he's going to be worth it but then how much are you actually getting him he's hurt so it's same kind of we talk about the risk profile with injuries uh we're going to now go to our last part of this segment the 51 to 60 range and what i'm going to have you guys do is give us your favorite and your fade in this range together and we'll just kind of go a little quicker with these ones cuz i don't want scott to have to be here all night i know scott's a busy man so let's Let's do uh,
4: hanging, hanging out with you guys is better than when I'm, <laughs> what I'm, uh, what the other stuff I'm doing? So I'm,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so Scott, let's go to you, your favorite and your fade in the 51 to 60 range. So I, I love this
4: range. I like the other ranges. I was trying to like, uh, I like Sonny Gray and who else? And then this range, there's four or five guys I like here. Um, but I'm going to go, everybody's heard me talk too much about Patrick Sandoval. So I'm gonna let somebody else take him. <laughs> I do love Patrick Sandoval at the price, but, um, I think an interesting guy in here is actually Jordan Montgomery. Um, 3-8 ERA last year in, in 30 starts. Um, obviously we talk or we talk about you know talking about guys like copac k- wins are tough in major league baseball now and he's a guy that will pitch innings he pitched 157 last year and he plays for a really good offense i know the AL East is tough but you know wins are very much in play here um k rate was about 25. Uh, percent like see that bump up a little bit i think it might he's got a 13.7 percent swing strike rate so i think maybe the k's jump up a little bit um you know good good ground ball rate which i think you need in the AL East. you need yankee stadium i like that hard contact was was decent last year you know i talk about red stat cast pages probably too much His is not great it's a little <laughs> (laughs) Midling, but I think the big problem here is that his sinker sucks. Like he was awful last year. He threw it twenty two percent of the time, three fifty nine batting average against five twenty four x slug. You know the whiff was really low on it. I think the key for me Montgomery is just a little tweak. If he throws that sinker less, you look at his other pitches change up. He threw 25% of the time, you know, 39% whiff rate, batting average under 200. Curveball, 24% of the time, 43% whiff rate, uh, batting average under 200. Like, I think if he just shifts a little bit more four seamers, less sinkers, and then sticks with the change of curve, kind of the same percentage. I think a little tweak here make uh, make kind of make him uh, give that extra little step that uh, I think could be a really good value in this range. ADP is about 196 right now, so we're talking like around 13, 14 to 15 teamer. I think it's a guy that will get you wins, which are going to be very hard to find. I think the ratios will be a little bit better than we think
0: yeah and and lc i just wanted to have you jump in on that too because you are you live
1: and breathe jordan montgomery oh
0: nice i like it
1: love him i love him and you if you look from from the end of may until the end of the season jordan montgomery had a 21 start span where he had a 3.03 era and a 3.21 fip so uh you know that and that's that's better than Garrett Cole did over that time period. So I think that, uh, Jordan Montgomery is a guy who I'm thinking has some, has a, has a nice arrow going up on his career. And I think last year was just the first taste of it. Ooh, you let
0: you leave us leaving the taste for more with that. I like that. Uh, Scott, I'll go back to you and who's your fate in this range.
4: My fate in this range is another one that probably upsets people because it's a really sexy helium guy is actually Tarek Skubal. Um, I always mess up his name too, but Scooball. Um, <laughs> I just I just think he's super, super hittable. I don't like what I see. I mean, last year was 4 3 4, 1, 2, 6, and I get everybody loves the strikeout rate. Everybody likes the, You know, kind of what he showed late. Everybody likes the changeup. The changeup's a 50% whiff pitch. He only use it 12% of the time. But there are some good things there. But like, and you look at home runs, 2.1 for eight home runs per nine. He gave 35 home runs last year in 150 innings. Um, the XERA is 5.62. And you talk about a stat cast page. He's under 10th percentile in hard hit rate, X-WOBA, x X-Slug, barrel, chase rate. Like, not just bad, but under 10th percentile bad. Like, that's extreme bad. Um, the swing the swing strike rate is pretty de- – is decent at 11%. I can get – he's going to get strikeouts. But, man, if you care about ratios, I think you stay far away here from an ADP that's under 200. ADP is like 180-something right now. I just – I am far, far away on, on this price.
0: Is he your least favorite of the Tigers pitchers between him, Mize, and Matt Manning?
4: Yeah, I don't really like any of them that much this year. I mean, I love them into the future. Like, the Tigers are really building something nice. But, yeah, just I, he's my least favorite just because the, the price is so much different than him. I think the other guys, like Mize, you know, can kind of squint and see something at the price. Uh, Manning apparently is throwing a lot harder in camp, but – I just think Scooball is way, way overpriced. Sorry, Marty, for the. I, I gave you the Tiger. I gave you the Tigers love earlier, so I had to come back with a little bit.
3: So I apologize for that. Uh, I have zero shares of oh, those right. pitchers. It's, that, it's that says a lot. I that, agree. Says,
4: that says a lot as a Tigers fan, right there.
3: Yeah, I watched them hit home runs off them. There are bombs. Bombs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there was a Matt Manning thread on Twitter. I saw actually a couple people post about it and that his velocity was up, but people were still skeptical of his stuff. So. Ah, uh, very fair concerns with him and and a lot of the Tigers' young pitchers there. Uh, LC, while we're at it, why don't you give us your fade and then we'll hear from Doc and Marty on a couple of their guys.
1: Oh, Clev Dogs, my fave. Uh, I love you know I love Clev Dog. Love watching him pitch. I just think it's a little bit too quick. Uh, coming back from TJ's tough. He's only been about seventeen months since his TJ. Average recovery time is about twenty months when you're pitching again at the major league level, according to a study that was released in 2016. Um, and also, uh, it's well known that uh, control doesn't come back very quickly when you're coming back from TJ. I I, I worry about Clevenger's uh, Kevin Clevenger's control, and I also worry about him re-injuring. Uh, pardon me for for also then just throwing this little stat out there that. Cleveland traded him, and they seem to trade guys that they know are are starting to get, starting to get injury prone. And so, mm-hmm. to me, I'm I, I'm just off of Clevenger. He's going to have to show me that he's back before I'm going to draft him because uh because of all those concerns. And those are fighting words to Doc
0: because that's his love in this range. He's been a long been a Mike Clevenger fan, and he wants to defend his boy club dog.
2: Yeah, I mean, are you drafting him? What what is the pitcher fifty six?
0: Uh According so, to the, yeah, I'll tell you, he's right now starting pitcher 50, 52,
2: 52. Okay, so you're drafting him as pitcher 52. Yeah, he's not going to be fully healthy, but A's manager said he had, or I'm sorry, Padres manager wow, said that, he had. A, that felt personal right there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That a, was that was the most intentional slip of the podcast so
2: far. I know. I know. <laughs> you guys were supposed to be friends too. I know. He has a spot in the rotation. And you look at his ERA from all the years he's been healthy, 3.02, 2.71, 3.02, 3.11. So, look, is he going to be the old club where he's going seven, eight innings? No, probably not. But I think building up his arm, and, and we worry about a lot of these pitchers to begin the year, they're going to be going mm-hmm. five or six. We've talked about it, how it's tough for wins. So I think the gap between Clevenger and the other pitchers that would pitch 180, 200 innings is smaller, and you're going to get good production from him. Maybe they have him in a little bit of middle relief role, but pitcher 52, I'm I'm okay with that. All
1: right, let me yeah, ask he you just, guys. He just, I'm sorry. I just wanted. to, he, I know he pitched today was his first pitch. I, I I didn't see an update on it. I looked right before we came on, but he was pitching the minor leaguers. So I'm going to be looking at um, what's his name, Jeff Sanders on Twitter, San Diego beat reporter to see how he did. He's not even pitching it. He's pitching the minor leaguers now. So hopefully he looks good. I still have concerns with, with Clevenger that, you know, he might be someone you draft and you're dropping because his performance is so bad and you're not getting the good stuff, which comes later in the season when he's more fully recovered from that TJ. That's my concern.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it after him, you could get Marcus Stroman, Adam Wainwright, Patrick Sandoval, Jordan Montgomery, Hingen Ryu. I mean, Tanner Houck, there's a lot of guys after him that I would rather take personally. So I, I think he's kind of a risk at that high end of ADP personally, he could be a risk reward guy. So I, I understand why doc has him there, but I, uh, I don't know about that personally. Our guy Mike Carter checking in. And always love seeing you, Doc. Uh, let's go to uh, Marty. I brought up his name really quickly. A guy that we feel very safe in this range, Marcus Stroman. Why don't you go ahead and appease to your buddy Cheesecake and his Chicago Cubs fandom?
3: Absolutely. And shout out Mike Carter. It was great to actually meet him in real life. You know, got to hug him, meet him, talk to him. Great dude. Um, which surprises no one. He's the man. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's Marcus Stroman, and, you know, just to quickly go through it, elite ground ball pitcher. He limits home runs. He's in a good ballpark. Um, you know, he plays for <laughs> Arts Cubs. <coves. laughs> um, you can't even say that with a straight face. I don't know. I love his command. You know, I think he he's going to be fine. And where he's going, I don't have to worry about um, him, uh, how many innings he's going to have. He has four seasons with over 179 innings pitched. So, you know they're gonna let him uh, pitch as much as possible. I love him on Twitter. I love his attitude. He's a, he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, it, it's easy for me. Um, and my dislikes Clevenger, so we can just get that out of the way. That's right.
0: Yeah. That, that any other reasons to add on? Um, he's a knucklehead too.
2: <laughs> I, I can't. I you're right. I can't. I can't dispute that. Can't and the only reason
3: it. why I bring that up because sometimes they don't take rehabilitation as seriously as you know, like your extremely focused players. Now that's something very small. And That's not the reason why. It's all the other things you had said, but. I just had to touch on that. And then, Doc, Trevor, picking a knucklehead, Trevor Bauer, just the risks that
0: come with it. Yeah, I mean, his,
2: his extended leave through April 16th, we don't know if there's going to be further suspension. And even if it's not, the public backlash. Like, what if he comes out and just he gets booed and the team says, look, we don't want that PR? Maybe if he does come back, he has to take time to build up his arm. I don't think anybody's disputing the talent that he has, but I think... Once again, he's going to take a bench spot and you're going to feel guilty drafting him. Like, let's, let's just put that out there. Like there's going to be a conscious that you're rooting for him to do well, knowing the reports that are out there. And I think it's just something better, safe than sorry to not draft
0: him. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, uh, LC, when did you change your hat?
1: When he brought up the Cubs.
0: (laughs) That's why I started laughing. Did did
1: we ever
4: think the only guy left from the championship team was going to be freaking Jason Hayward? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I saw that tweet the other day. That That's hilarious. Reminds me of
3: the Pistons. Uh, Tayshawn Prince was the last guy they held on Wait, out of all those guys. It, was
2: it? Isn't Wilson Contreras still on the team? Was he? I
1: guess he was on the championship team, right? Yeah, he
3: was. He was a just, when It's they amazing
4: how far that. I mean, with Bryant and Rizzo, you thought they were going to be. And Allison Russell Pop, Pop, probably. Pop. is Allison Russell in jail? I don't even know where Allison Russell is. Speaking of, oh my of,
0: god, I haven't heard that name in forever.
4: Speaking of, of ex Oakland days, uh, what a name! Yeah.
0: Holy crap. How did yeah, I forget had, about had, Addison he and Russell? Kyler,
4: he and Kyler Murray were awesome first round draft picks. The A's just <laughs> gem after gem.
0: God, that Scott, thank you for taking me back. I, I don't know why I forgot about Addison Russell. What a uh, for, for, for,
2: good, for good reasons, by the way. Yeah. We should
0: all forget about Addison.
2: Russell. My, hey, hey, my hot take is uh, Kyler comes in place for the A's in like three years. So you'll get some service time, hopefully. I don't want him on the quarterback of my team. So I
4: guess I could take that. That'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, the analysis part is done. Now the fun part that makes triple play, triple play starting of course, with our question of the week, which is now presented by our new sponsor. That would be, if I could find the clip there. That'd be by our new sponsor odds. Jam. This video is being sponsored by odds. Jam odds. Jam is an innovative solution designed to identify odds that make you the winner every single time. They have the fastest real-time data to spot discrepancies between different sports books and help users place risk-free bets profits average three percent every day which adds up to big earnings so how does odds jam work well odds jam processes the odds over 1 million odds a minute to find the selected few profitable betting opportunities you as the user will then receive notifications of these opportunities in real time finally you'll place your bets on multiple sports books to cover all possible outcomes that way no matter who wins, you do. And so how are you ready to experience the risk-free profits for yourself? Well, what you can do is you can go to, to oddsjam.com, and if you use referral code Triple Play, you'll be able to get a seven-day free trial to access this stuff for yourself. So make sure you check them out today. Now let's get back to the video. Oh, it's nice when I don't have to talk and I can just play a button. <laughs> All right, our question of the week Which MLB player do you think tips the most at a restaurant? This was Doc's question. Very vague. It could be going any different direction. So, Scott, I'm going to go to you first. Who would you pick for the answer for this question?
4: So I probably thought about this way too much um, as I tend to do. I tend to be an overanalyzer and anxious, but I think you've got to have someone who's not a bonus baby, right? Like someone who's had to like work for, in their lives and not like just fall. In. Like, I don't think Bryce Harper would be a good answer here. Cause I think he just never yeah. knew what money was like. Like in, when he was 15, he was going to be a millionaire and all that. So I'm going to go with a guy who was a former Uber driver. And I can't imagine Mm -hmm. anybody would tip better than someone who's a former Uber driver. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Twins pitcher on the aisle right now. But Randy Dobnak, I think, is be a man of the people. It would be a fantastic tipper.
0: I think that's a great point. Like who better than someone that's in the industry where you would want tips, right, as another job. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a hard answer to beat (laughs) because it's very good logic with it. Marty, who's your answer for this question?
3: Mine's going to be because he needs to um, give back to the people. Fernando Tatis Jr. because he has sucked them <laughs> three months of baseball out of that city. He does. He those people deserve something great. So I w- what I'd love to see him do is just go around every restaurant around the San Diego area and just you know drop hundred dollar tips. You know, just saying, hey, I'm sorry, it won't happen again.
0: I could see it. I could see it. Does anybody think an ex player like Brian Wilson? Would have been somebody that would have tipped well because he's so eccentric that when he would go out to eat, maybe he would just like leave those like hundreds dollar tips just because it's like I feel like the weird guys are the ones like you see Chad Ocho Cinco for uh, for football. He's leaving huge tips. It's like the eccentric players that are like, let me make somebody's day and just throw a crazy tip at somebody. Brian,
4: um, Brian Wilson seems way too grumpy for me for that.
0: That that that's a good point mm-hmm. too. I'm just thinking he, only, like, he
2: only tips if you have good facial hair.
0: What about yeah. a or like a Bobby Jenks because he always had mm-hmm. like really weird facial hair. I think he had like the pink beard or something at one point. Uh, Doc, this was your question. Did you have an answer for it? So I'm going with someone that
2: is now a former player, and that's Ryan Zimmerman. Spent his entire career with the Nationals. They took pretty good care of him. Fan favorite. I could just see him going to his local spot like. The, his favorite local spots and just tipping really well. I can see him. He's the type of guy who goes to four to five restaurants in rotation and just they know him. They know his order. He gives him a good tip and just walks out.
0: Very sensible answer, not a fun answer, but I respect it.
2: <laughs> Sorry.
1: Elsie, <laughs> what about you? I was much more cynical uh, in my answer because I said it's got to be someone like uh, Baltimore Chris Davis or Jason Hayward, someone who took a big contest <laughs> <with Amazon. laughs> <laughs> they would have to be uh, in in Baltimore, you know, giving good tips so that the 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 fans of the Orioles would be like, he stinks, but he tips really well. That was my answer. <laughs> I, I don't like that answer because
4: Billy Butler just popped in my head as bad contract. I oh. that just that just ruined my night right there. Oh That's, my
0: gosh. God, you are a gem for what a throwback. freaking
4: nightmare that guy was.
0: <laughs> then they call him like big big country boy or what was his his nickname uh, was? country
4: breakfast I think
0: country breakfast.
4: Yeah. Yes. Yes. He was uh, three years 30 million when the A's never signed free agents and he did literally nothing. It was terrible.
3: God that throwing some old school name out to his barbecue sauce.
0: It was really good.
4: Oh there you go. I can see him being good at that.
0: It was good. Is yeah. he make? Is that what he's doing now? Is he making
3: barbecue? No, show? he did that back when he was in KC. Oh, okay. okay. I
4: forget. He got a, like a fist fight with someone in the clubhouse, like month two of his contract. To, I forget who it was, but like it was just it was brutal the whole way. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I oh, can't remember really? who he got a fist fight with.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's go to our last segment of the night. It is our game of the week. Doc is hosting our game as I get the the tone right with our mood music for our game of the week here. What are we playing, Doc? All right. Well, we are getting close to opening day. So I have some opening day
2: trivia. Now, what's kind of cool about this game is there's multiple ways you can get points and you can kind of choose how much risk you want to take. So I'm going to go through. I have seven questions. I don't have a tiebreaker, but there's going to be multiple points that you can earn. So if anything, we have a tie. David, I always start with you. So I'm going to start with Art, then Marty, then Scott, and then you go last this time. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. So, mm-hmm. who is the oldest pitcher to start an opening day? Sue, so, I'm going to give you the choices. You get one point if you tell me the pitcher, and you get one point if you can give me the exact age, okay? All right. So, is it A, Roger Clemens, B, Jamie Moyer, C, Nolan Ryan, or D, Bartolo Colon?
1: Uh, I'm going to say Jamie Moyer at 44
3: okay I have Jamie Moyer 44 written down that is <laughs>
2: Scott
4: I'm going to switch it up I'm going to go Nolan Ryan at
2: 45
0: alright I know Bartolo was the last one what was the first one again
2: uh, Roger Clemens
0: I'll say if Bartolo is an option, I'm going to pick him. I'll say Bartolo <laughs> at 44.
2: Two for Scott. Nolan Ryan at 45. Let's wow. Go. Dang, Let's go.
4: Dang, Scott. Can I leave now and just uh, leave in the high note? <laughs> yeah, sure. And by the way, Billy, Billy Butler punched Danny Valencia. That's who it was. That was That's, it. That's oh right. Boy.
0: They played when he was on the Twins, right? No, both on the A's. Oh, wow. In in the clubhouse.
2: And it was horrible. Sorry. Didn't interrupt. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. So we got the second question here. And Marty, you are starting. Who is the most strikeouts on opening day? Now you get one point if you get a pitcher or the pitcher, right? You get one point if you're within five strikeouts and you get three if you get it on the money. So is it Felix Hernandez, Randy Johnson, Zach Granke or Walter Johnson?
3: Uh, Felix Hernandez, sixteen.
2: No, no, no! Like total strikeouts
3: for the career. Oh, Over- for the whole oh for their okay. career
2: o- career on opening day strikeouts. Uh, okay. oh, oh, just that okay. opening
3: day. Oh my gosh. Oh, just okay. Um, say them again. Sorry. Felix Hernandez, Randy
2: Johnson, Zach Granky, and Walter Johnson.
3: Randy Johnson, uh, three hundred. Okay. Seems like a lot.
4: Scott. I feel like Felix started every opening day for Seattle forever. So I'm going to go Felix. I'm going to go 11 season, do a little math. I'm going to go 125.
0: Okay. David. I think it's Zach Granke because I feel like he's had such a long career and most teams he's been on, he's like usually the one or two starter. Uh, I think I had a longer stretch than Felix. I'm going to say Zach Granke and 133.
2: Okay. And Art.
1: Just uh Walter Johnson had 416 career wins, pitched like 24 seasons. So it's possible he had like 20 opening day starts. Uh So I'm gonna go. I like Walter how, he just, I like how he just, it just just shows 100.
4: he has that he has that yeah. knowledge on hand. That's <laughs> so I got a brag right there. I'm gonna
1: spit this out at some point. Might as well do it right? now. <laughs> I love it. When you said Walter Johnson, he was the outlier because he's way older than the other ones. I'm going to go 135, Walter Johnson. All right. Well,
2: keep in mind, it's strikeouts on opening day, and it's Randy Johnson with 107.
0: I was way
2: off on the number, but I got the the name right. Yeah. So Marty's the only one with a point. So question three, we're starting with Scott. Who has the most opening day starts? So you get one point for the pitcher. You get one point if you're within three starts and you get three points if you're on the money. So the options are Clayton Kershaw, Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan, or Tom Seaver.
4: Oof. I'm gonna go back to Nolan Ryan and I'm gonna go with, God, what, he played those 46, 23. I'm gonna go with 16.
0: Okay. Um, I'll go Tom Seaver and I'll go 13.
1: Okay. Art. Roger Clemens um, and uh, 14. Okay. Name Marty. Lion, 13. All right. Well,
2: the answer Tom Seaver was 16. Wow. So David gets one, but Scott gets three because he got the amount of starts on the money. Uh, there we go. i talking. So, so after three, Scott's got five, David and Marty got oh. two, and Art got one. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: More striking so, distance.
2: So this this one, you can get multiple points. So these two teams have the most consecutive opening day wins. Now, if I give you no hint, it's going to be three points of what division they're in. But if you want the hint of which division, you can only get one point for each. Okay. So. Sorry, Donner walked in. Okay. <laughs> So, these two teams, and one is NL, one is AL. You get three points if you can tell me which team they are. But if you want to narrow it down and get the division that they're in, you get one point.
0: Are you like a, an art game show host right now? Because it's very confusing.
2: No. So one AL team and one L, one NL team <laughs> have the most consecutive wins on opening day. Okay. If you want a hint for the division that they're in, <laughs> should we just okay. get, you get one team? Well. If it's rather you want three points, or if you want to try to get one, okay, I
0: got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you.
2: So if anybody I, wants the I three points, I guess, need
0: the points because I'm way yes. down. I'll take the points as well.
2: Okay, so you guess an I'm, AL and you guess an NL team. I'm, I'm okay. gonna take the hint when we get there. Okay, okay. Give me
3: points. Give me them. Okay, right.
2: so uh, we're starting right, then so with I, David on this. Do week. I start? No, David does. Give me an AL and an okay. NL team.
0: For most consecutive wins on opening day.
2: Yep, and you get three points if you get each. Uh,
0: I'm gonna say the American League. I'm gonna go with the. And let me start with National League. I'll go with the uh, the Giants, and the American League. I'll go with
1: the Red Sox. Okay, Art. I don't know why I think the Reds, but I'm going to say the Reds for the National League. They seem to be all of those records belong. The Reds seem to have them. And I'm going to go I'm going to go with the A's. I think they might have done it in the 70s. They had a really good team for a long time, so they might have won like five or six straight
3: opening days. I don't know. Okay, Marty? I literally had Red and Red Sox, but that's not fun. So I don't know how that <laughs> happened. Um, so anyway, I'm going to switch it up. Uh, Mets. And then uh White Sox. Okay. So Scott,
2: yep. One team is in the AL central and the other is in the NL Central. Oh dang. It's <laughs> both my answers. i right. I'm gonna go um
4: Brewers and White Sox.
2: Reds and Tigers. So oh, Art reds. got three. Should have yeah, it should have just stayed with the Reds. Well done. Wow. All right. So, question five.
0: How many do we have? Uh, We have seven. Okay.
2: This team has the best opening day win percentage. And I'll give you a hint it's a flat number, like 32%. So, you're going to get one point if you give me the team. You're going to get one point if you're within 5% of their winning percentage. And you're going to get three points on the money. All All right. So, the options are the Mets, the Marlins, the Dodgers. Or Scott's A's. And Art, we're starting with you.
1: Um, it looks lost. Dodgers, 55%. Okay. Marty?
3: I Dodgers,
2: 47%. All right. Scott?
4: It feels weird they're in there, so I'm going to answer. I'm going to go Marlins, 58%.
2: All right, and David?
0: Yeah, I, I got to go with Dodgers. I'll say
2: 52%. Zero for everyone. Mets, 65%. Oh, 65%. Wow. wow. This yeah.
0: good, what? good opening
2: day record.
0: good means we should maybe bet on the Mets for <laughs> opening day.
2: All right. <laughs> so, Marty, you're starting with this. On opening day 2019, the Dodgers set an MLB record for home runs on opening day. How many did they hit? Eight. Okay. Scott six. David seven. <laughs>
1: Art. Um, I'm gonna go nine. It's eight. Oh, good. Guess. Oh. So, so,
2: so one point for Marty. So, going into our last question, Scott is five. Art is four. Marty has three. David has two. So. I actually do have a tiebreaker um, that we can do, but we'll see if we need it. So I believe we are starting with Scott on this one. This player had the most RBIs on opening day in 2021. Is it Travis Shaw, Michael A. Taylor, Nathaniel Lowe, or Victor Caratini? I
4: was only last year. I should know that. Um, I'm going to go Nathaniel Lowe.
2: Okay.
0: Michael Taylor. Michael A. Taylor.
1: All right. Art? Uh, Lowe.
0: Okay. And Marty. Michael Taylor.
4: And hey, Marty felt like he knew that one, too.
0: I think I knew it, too. Yeah. I, think he had, I think he had two grand slams or something.
2: Uh, no, that was one of the second or third games. It's Nathaniel Lowe. Oh, so man. Scott wins with six and the man said he wasn't going to do well on the show. Scott, I, glad, glad you won. Glad you, I, wow. fe- I, I feel
4: a little cheap because I got three points for answering the wrong person with the right <laughs>
2: number of starts, but I'll take
0: it. <laughs> oh man. It's Doc. rules of
2: the game. Yeah, that's true.
0: Doc, uh, Doc did a good one and he got Scott the win. I'll, I'll definitely wish it was me, but Scott, if it can't be me, I'm glad it's you. And on that note, thank you so much for coming on, Scott. It's always a blast. It's even funner than I would have thought it would have been. So thanks again for coming and, and hanging out with us.
4: Uh, I appreciate you guys jumping on. There are, there are a lot of podcasts out there. I think you guys easily have the most fun one. I love the games. I love all the stuff you guys, you guys chemistry and come right together. is really great. So I, I do appreciate it in, a, in an industry where there are 9 million talking heads. You guys do a really great job. And I, one of, one of the ones that I enjoy the most. So I appreciate you guys inviting me on. It's really nice of you guys to do so
0: you're the man, you know, you're one of our favorite guys here. We really appreciate you, you, man. And and please, unless people have been living under a rock, they know who you are. They know all the stuff you do, but please plug all the great work that you do and anything that people can find coming up.
4: Yeah. I've actually pulled back a little bit. I don't do as much writing. I just gotten busy, but I, we're on every Sunday night, uh, East Coast Monday morning, uh, Jeff Erickson and I do the, the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I also do uh, the uh, Gaming Golf Podcast on, on RotoWire RotoWire, talking there. And then football season, I do the uh, the DFS podcast. But right now, we're big in baseball season, so uh, make sure you listen. We uh, Jeff and I try and have a lot of fun. If you uh, We try and make sure that, you know, we talk a lot of NFBC, but we try to make everything kind of for, you know, 15-teamers, 12-teamers, kind of talk about different levels. We talk a lot of free agency during the season, so hopefully that will uh, help out. We talk a lot about setting lineups on Monday, so a lot of, like, actionable stuff, like Sunday night, Monday morning to really try and get people going for the week. So, uh, hopefully people like it. Uh, Jeff and I've been friends for a long time. So hopefully that comes across as a, a casual fun way to talk baseball. Cause I, I, I enjoy it. I hope everybody else does too.
0: You really do. I mean, you and Jeff are one of the most iconic duos in the industry. Everybody nice. loves listening to you guys. I know we all listen to you guys a bunch and, uh, you guys are two of our favorite guests. So uh, again, uh, appreciate you, man. And, um, we're looking forward to the next time. got to get revenge on that game. I, I can't go down like that. Uh, any,
4: any 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 time you guys want to play some trivia, I'm good to go. <laughs> That's
0: right. Because you're. Why did I just not remember until now that you were on Stump the Schwab and you are a trivia twice, guy?
4: Twice. Yeah. Like what? Stump what did the Schwab, you know? and then I was on uh, Sports Geniuses on Fox Sports. Me hanging out with Lisa Guerrero and Matt Fester, and it was a good time.
0: That's
2: right. I was going to plug that he was on Stump the Schwab. If you didn't,
0: <laughs> I totally left my mind until now we're gonna have to it's a straight it's a
2: stressful it. experience man. <laughs> they, they
4: dim those lights and you feel like you just re- forgot everything you've ever known in your life it's freaky it was, wait, it was wait. freaky
2: we had the schwab on the show can we have like a 10 15 yeah. year reunion like, I, we
4: yeah, said, I, I, I fully retired from trivia i'm too dumb and old now it's terrible
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man well please make sure if you are not listening to scott on the road to wire podcast you change that right now you're missing out on some quality quality great content so please make sure you check that stuff out next week we're going to be touching on starting pitchers part three closing out our starting pitcher review later this week you're going to be able to hear our free agents frenzy part two which we're going to record earlier on you guys will have that in your podcast feed in a couple days but until then everyone stay safe happy drafting and we're gonna make like a bread truck and we're gonna haul these buns catch you guys in the next one